0: chapter 3 verses 1 to 20 verse 1 then what advantage has the Jew or what is the value of circumcision much in every way to begin with the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God what if some were unfaithful does their their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God by no means let God be true though everyone were a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. But if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? I speak in a human way. By no means. For then, how could God judge the world? But if, Through my lie, God's truth abounds to his glory. Why am I still being condemned as a sinner? And why not to do evil that good may come? As some people slanderously charge us with saying, their condemnation is just. Verse 9. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in this sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin.
1: Thank you, Jong, for reading God's Word for us this morning. If you have your Bibles, um, Scripture, as you know, will be up on the slide, but I, I, w- I think it's good for you to uh, have your own Bibles, to, to check this preacher, uh, because... Um, I don't think you ought to trust me. Before I preach, though, uh, Fedora, are, are you here in the room? Oh, here she is. I, you know, every once in a while we have some of our missionaries come home, and they're home for such a brief time. I want you to actually see them and be reminded that these are the people, this is Fedora, who extend the ministry of this church far beyond these walls. Uh, these are people who have left the comfort of Singapore to represent Christ in places most of us do not want to live. Now, um, is that fair? I think that's fair. I think if we want to live in the slums of Bangkok, we would be there now. I, I just want you to, I'm not going to interview her, I, I want you guys after the service I'm going to have Fedora stand where usually the pastor stands at that door, and I'd love for you to just go by and say some word of encouragement to her. We support her ministry because we are not in Bangkok. She is serving in the slums so that little boys and girls who are born into nothing know that there is a God who notices them. This is an amazing ministry, and Fedora, we're grateful to you for it. Let's pray for her. Father God, I thank you that you have, in the midst of all the many things this young lady could be doing, you have whispered into her heart and she has responded with obedience. I ask you to represent yourself greatly in the life of this, your young daughter. I pray that you would equip her to be your embrace to these young people in Bangkok. I pray that you would strengthen her to represent your glory. And God, may we be the kind of church that encourages not only through our giving, but through our going and through our praying and through our words of strength and encouragement. So God, we bring her to you, asking you to do much in her life so that you could receive glory. And God, we want to also pray for the mission team that's preparing to go this week to Pua. I pray that you would go with them, help them to love and care well, to do good in Jesus' name. And for the team that is preparing to go to Cambodia, thank you, O God, for the sacrifices they will make in a couple of weeks to love the young people of Cambodia. God, use us so that you may be famous in Cambodia and Bangkok and around the world. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Fedora. And don't forget, at the end of our service, after the benediction, we'll be coming by greeting the new members that the Lord is bringing to us, but also... Go by and give Fedora a word of encouragement. Um, I um, suspect that those of you who have been with us for a few weeks have this idea that you have heard in the last few weeks three different messages from three different guys, but in actual fact, you've actually heard just one sermon from the Apostle Paul that we are just duplicating for you in the 21st century, one very long Pauline sermon, and the background text is an example of an old document representing the book of Romans. You you can see it, and this basically is the one theme of these three sermons, this one long sentence with no periods, no punctuation, no spaces between words, and it has all one theme. None of this can save you. It's important for us to understand, the first week, remember, we we talked about the law. This, This law cannot save you. It's an advantage to have had it, but you can't depend upon it for your salvation because all it does is exposes your guilt. It doesn't save you. It doesn't make you better. It exposes you as being worse. And last Sunday, of course, we heard Pastor Eugene teach that this religious, all these religious activities that we engage in that makes us feel special compared to other people, that cannot save us. And today, not only can the law not save us, not only can this religion not save us, but man cannot save us either. Let's look then at verses 1 through 4. Then what advantage has the Jew? Meaning, what advantage is there to those who have been given the law? Secondly, it says, what value is circumcision? What value then is is religious practices? And the surprising answer is much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. Now, it's interesting uh, that he says much in every way. He's getting ready, by the way, to cancel that out. But he says the first thing, he he says there's much in every way that, that they have the advantage, the Jews, but he only lists one thing. The one thing is this, they have been entrusted, the oracles of God. And it's important that we notice here that he's not saying they have been given the oracles of God. And by the way, that word oracle simply means the Word, the very Word of God, written on stone tablets, inscribed on parchments. They were given the history of Israel, the very Word of God. And you need to understand the Old Testament, the history of Israel is really the history of a living God interacting with a specific people. They have been given that, but it's not just that they were given the Word, It's not just that they have the Word. By the way, I hope you're translating into the 21st century. It's not that you were just given a Bible, it's not just that you can study the Bible. They were entrusted with the very Word of God, they were stewards of the very Word of God. Knowing the Word is not enough. Having the Word is not enough. They and we are stewards of the Word. And so what if some were unfaithful? Does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? This is the one theme in this entire message. No, not at all. May God be true. Though every man a liar. He's not saying that every man is a liar at least not right now, but even if everyone is a liar, let God be true. If God is true, then we will prevail. Justify by your words, prevailed when you are judged. Now, why does this matter? Compare this with chapter 2, verse 6, where we are judged not by our words, but by what we do. In other words, the final judgment will filter out all the hypocrites. If you're a hypocrite, please sit down. Oh. <laughs> we just all got nailed. Let me, let me sit. Right, let me. We just all got nailed by that because we cannot hope in our own strength to satisfy the standard of Christ who alone was perfect. What do we do when we experience failure? Have you ever had an experience with failure? Have you ever been failed by some Christian, by some pastors? Maybe some pastors at at this church? Or or, or maybe you've lived a better life. Maybe you've never experienced disappointment in other believers. Someone, Someone you trusted Someone who you look to as a, a guide for spiritual wonder. Maybe, maybe you've never had that person fail you. Well, let me just say my father is the best man I've ever known. He, he found Christ when he heard the gospel As a 35 year old man and at that moment an alcoholic lumberjack was transformed by the power of the gospel and I was born under his care the best man I've ever known everywhere we lived he began a church never had seminary training he just so loved the Lord and I and I remember when I was 10 years old my brother would have been 12 our first time ever camping in the Canadian bush and we feel confident all day because our dad, who was five foot eight and the most enormous human being we'd ever seen in our lives, I'm sure every boy feels that way about his father, at least when they're 10, we felt safe around him. And then the Canadian night came, and he put us into our little dark tent. I don't know why my brother and I were alone in a tent, and my little sister got to sleep with my dad and mom. But we were alone, and he came into our tent, really dark, tucked us in, and then he turned to go. And uh, I, was, um, I was afraid. And uh, I said, that, um, Dad, where, where, where are you going? Be- because I could actually hear wolves out there, and I'd done all my wolves research. I know what wolves eat. I've read Little Red Riding Hood. That's all the research I'd done. And I was like, Dad, Dad, where where are you going? And he he said, don't worry, Gump. Okay, so now you know he called me Gump. Don't worry, Gump. Daddy's not going to leave you. I'll be right next to you. And that great man kept that promise for 35 years. And then he left me because he died. You you see, sooner or later, even the best people, the best guides, the best models are going to fail us. And at that very moment, our trust is exposed. I wondered when my mom died, I realized, okay, my mom is dead. I'm no longer afraid to not go to church. I could skip out. I suddenly had this anxiety. How will I be faithful if neither my mom nor my dad is watching me? My, my faith was exposed. What do you do? You let God be true, don't have Christian idols. Don't tempt the Lord by erecting some person as the Christian idol that you will follow, some preacher, some man, some godly woman. Sooner or later, they will leave you because men fail us. But secondly, um, this is not the awesome part. We fail us. Now, I'm just going to summarize this because what, what we see in verses 5 through 8 is Paul responding to some armchair Jewish philosophers who are twisting themselves into a theological pretzel in order to justify why they are living untransformed lives. They're, they're, he's basically responding to men who say, hey, hey, look, hey, look it's, it's God's plan that I am unrighteous. You know, it's the old human adage that if you want to look handsome, hang around ugly friends, they were saying, but we're God's ugly friends. That makes God look awesome. It's in his plan for me to be such a wreck. I'm unrighteous so God can be looking super, super awesome. So therefore, it's unrighteous of him to judge me when all I'm doing here is allowing my mess to look him great. He looks great like that because look at me. Hang around me more, God. People will appreciate you. Paul rejected that argument absolutely. Our unrighteousness does not make God more righteous. He is righteous all on his own. So the big question he pushes back to them in verse 9. Remember these Jewish Christians who are uncomfortable with these non-Jewish people, these outsiders joining their Roman church. The big question is in verse 9, are you really better off? What then? Are we Jews? He includes himself. Are we any better off? No, not at all. For we've already told you that both Jews and Greeks, we are all under sin. And that, that term, under sin, doesn't mean we're just living in sin. It means that sin is this great weight crushing our chest. We, we are unable to do what we want to do because we're so loaded down beneath this burden of sin. Sin. This unbearable burden of sin. We are all this way. Religious or non-religious. Got the law or don't have the law. We are all under sin. And this is the consequence. And because we're shorter on time, I'm just going to let these go quickly. The consequence is no one is righteous. Not even one. No one understands. None of us are seeking God when we found Him. We didn't say, i got to go out and find a God. This is a God who seeks us. All of us had turned away from us. Together, we were doing things that had no eternal value. We're all of us full of rot, and so our tongues just spout deception and poison. Our mouths are full of bitterness. We run quickly into conflict. How how often are we going to need peacekeepers forever? Because the entire world is under the crushing weight of sin. Our destiny is ruin and misery. We have no peace, nor do we fear God until He met us. You you know what the Apostle Paul was writing in these points? His own biography. He was all of that. Seeking ruin and misery ever in conflict, no peace, no fear of God in his honoring of religion, we were all that way. You know, there was a time in the 50s where these three cousins dominated the American music industry, the the man in the black vest on the right, Uh, some of you are old enough to know this, Jerry Lee Lewis, you shouldn't know about him, but some of you do. He was called the first rock and roll rebel. He lit the, the charts on fire because he would play his piano and light his piano on fire. He would pound it. He would play with his bum, his heels. He was a crazy man. And he is now in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And then his other cousin on the left, that's Mickey Gilley. He didn't do rock and roll. He was a country music star and made very famous with the urban cowboy movie, some of you know John Travolta, he is in the country music hall of fame, but neither of these two guys got along with the cousin in the middle, this might be the only photograph with all three of them smiling, because the man in the middle, their cousin Jimmy, was perhaps the most gifted of all three of them. And Jerry Lewis was going to give him a, a contract with his record company. Come on, Jerry. Uh, Jimmy, you just sign up with my company. You'll be famous like me. And, but Jimmy was a religious man. He said, no, I'm not going to do the devil's music. I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to preach the gospel. And I'll sing gospel music. And this man was incredibly successful. Jimmy sold over 13 million Gospel records. He's written 20 books, 13 study guides. He's written 38 Bible commentaries. And at one time, his worship services were being broadcast on radio and television on 13,000 stations. And then this. Whoa, whoa. What? This preacher? Seeing prostitutes? And his congregation was devastated. They they were broken. They said, he he was the best of us. How, How can that happen to a, quote, man of God? Let God be true. Let God be true, or every man a liar. This week, uh, I noticed one of our new elders, Caleb, posted this on his Facebook. I'm not suggesting you follow him. Jeremiah 17, cursed is the man who trusts in man. You could put any title in front of that. Cursed is the man who trusts in a fireman. Cursed is the man who trusts in a government man. Cursed is the man who trusts in a preacher man. Cursed is a man who makes his own flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from God. He's like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good Come, he shall dwell in the parched places in the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Because God is our refreshing. He is the one who is faithful. A faithful stream in times of dryness welling up within us. He is who we trust. Not those who stand on a platform. By the way, I'm not getting ready to do any confession here. I'm already as transparent as I can be. I'm not about to say, so I'm a wreck. I'm as just a big a wreck as all of you. Just like all of you, every day turning afresh to Christ. Because I am but a man. No better than Jerry Lee Lewis or Jimmy Swagger, I am just a man, a man of flesh, who needs to turn from my own strength and turn to the God who is ever faithful. So let me just say a word briefly to those of you who have been visiting with us, because we're, we're excited. We, you know, we're having lots of visitors every week. Bless you for giving the Lord a part of your Sunday. But, but let me just say, if you're looking for the perfect church, uh, it's, it's not us. We serve a great and glorious God, but we are, all of us, just a little bit of a mess. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped. In other words, so that we can stop boasting about our great access to the Bible to the law, to these religious things that we do and for the bad things we don't do so that every man's mouth could be stopped and the whole world be accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being is justified in his sight since through the law simply comes a knowledge of, oh my God, I am so guilty. I am so guilty. Not faithful. This is why you can't even trust the people in the Bible. You know, this is one of the reasons why after long years of running from God, I finally turned back to Him because I started reading the Bible while thinking, you know, if I wrote the Bible, I would have fixed that part. I wouldn't have left that in the Bible because that makes people who are following God look so horrible. Here are some of the great Bible characters. Abraham, he was a coward, a deceptive coward, who gave his wife to another man in order to save his own skin. And and Tamar, she was needing. Her husband didn't love her, and her husband's brother couldn't give her children, So she dressed up as a prostitute and slept with her father-in-law and tricked him into impregnating her with twins and her father-in-law, Judah, the father of the nation of Judah, who was a philanderer who actually, by the way, frequented prostitutes, Moses, Moses, I'm just calling him the everything you don't want to be. He's, he's this stuttering bundle, bundle of insecurity who had stuttering and, and, and anger issues. Instead of negotiating, he killed. Instead of speaking, he struck. You want, you want to be like David? A man after God's own heart? He was also a philandering murderer. In fact, check him out. He broke at least five of the Ten Commandments. Not awesome. Jonah was a racist, a missionary racist who ran the other way when God called him because he hated the people that God wanted to be merciful to. He's a racist who did not, even in his own story, live happily ever after because the story ends with him angry at God, shouting, see, I told you, I knew you would have mercy on those horrible people. Paul, you know, he was just a religious zealot who allowed his convictions to sometimes shred his relationships. There are no but one perfect men in the Bible. He is the faithful one. Not Paul. Not Jonah. Not David. Not Ian. And I'm not saying that religion has no impact on your life. But I'm saying this. The better choice is not to choose one religion over another religion. These folks standing in this water today were not announcing, hey, I've changed my religion. If so, we are miserable. The, the, the secret is, is not that we just change and become a different version of what we already were. In, in fact, this past week, the, the rain that usually falls all winter long in Vancouver turned to snow, and then the following day it, it turned to rain again, and if you put that snow in a pot and boil it, it will turn into steam. But it's all the same thing. It changed in form only, not in substance. And if we're just changing religion, exchanging one religious set of rules for another religious set of rules, we are as miserable now as we were ever before. It's not that religion. It is Christ who rises up in us and transforms us. That is why 1,000 years before the mystery of the gospel was exposed in the person of Jesus Christ, we find King David weeping on his knees after he's been caught in a miserable set of sins, crying out to God, and he's not praying, oh God, give me a better heart. He's not praying, God, teach me more so my heart might be more instructed. He's praying, crying out to God, oh Lord, create in me a new heart. Do you you remember what Pastor Eugene was saying? God is cutting out this heart of stone and replacing a heart of flesh. Not giving us the living, the very Word in our hands, but giving the living Word in our hearts. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word came to earth to live among us, crucified, bore the pain and wrath of God over my brokenness. Went into a grave, was buried, and resurrected by the power of God. Resurrected, why? Just so he could walk on earth again? No, so that he could live and walk in me, walk in you. That's why baptism is not a washing. These two sisters were not saying, hey, look at me, I'm I'm washing myself clean. Baptism, the word baptizo in Greek is an immersion into a grave. So Pastor Ollie was laying them down in the grave because they were saying, just like Paul, I have been crucified. It is no longer me who lives, but Christ, the living word, who lives in me. And that's why, just like the Apostle Paul, they boast with him, as for me, may I never boast about anything. Except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. Every single day, I get up and say to the Lord, let Ian die again. Because the world has no interest in a dead man. A dead man is not tempted He doesn't think about doing things that would grieve the Lord. Lord, again, I turn to you. Let Ian die. Let Christ live in me. Do you remember the curse of Jeremiah? In his very next breath, he shouts out a blessing. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. Not a dry shrub, he He is like a man, a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream, is nourished by the water, and so has no fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. It's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. We're going to close, but here's a moment of reflection. Where, where, where are you planted right now? You, you can just do a brief examination by asking yourself what, what kind of fruit is coming up out of me? Is it, is it the fruit that only can come from the living word who is bubbling up in me and nourishing my arid soul? Is it Love, joy, and peace, and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. You know, I thought I was making progress until Eugene asked me a question on Thursday night. What sin are you struggling with? And I realized, I am not a patient man. I'm not. And I blessed the Lord for a time to confess that with another brother, two brothers, in fact, and then then we prayed together. Because, you know... Impatience can look like anger, right? My sweet wife, listen to me shouting at drivers who can't hear me. Standing at the lift, shouting into the house, are we ready yet? You know, stand in the lift and hit that button several times. I didn't realize nobody else does that. So, So, so this is our reflection time. Where are you planted? Have you been uprooting yourself so you can get closer to some person? you uprooting yourself from the river of living water so you, know, you feel like you can do some good things in your own flesh? Or are you risking deep disappointment by placing your trust in people who are not Christ? in processes that is not His Spirit rising up, empowering you to do what no one can in our own flesh do. On what in whom am I depending? I want to invite you to bow with me for just a moment. If you... Uh, Like me this week, if you are realizing that you are risking everything on the performance of someone who is not Jesus, what do you do? First, please recognize you are not here by accident. God has brought you here to release you from the burden of trying to act better than you really are. He has brought you here to hear from Him that He is faithful even in those days when we are not. So that our trust may be daily Always in Him. He has seen your sins, friends. And yes, they are many. But in His mercy, He has sent us Christ, the very living Word of God. It is He who is producing in this dead man, the fruit of his spirit, for my good and for his glory. If you're here today and you are feeling the weight pressing heavy on your chest, turn to him now, just in your heart, turn toward him. Cry out in your spirit and say, oh God, fill me anew. Take this broken, proud child and grow strong in me, oh Lord. Be obvious so that I might become less and Christ might be more. Father God, we bless you that you are ever trustworthy. We bless you that your word is ever reliable. How grateful we are that you are a God who is faithful, full of mercy. We thank you that we can indeed sing, though our sins they are many, your mercies are more. So God, thank you that you are a God who responds to us. Even when we don't know how to pray what we ought to. You give us answers we don't even know how to ask for. You are a generous, merciful, faithful God. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Amen. Let us rise to the song of response. fear my faith will fail Christ will hold me fast when the tempter would prevail he will hold me fast I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path for my love is often cold must hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so. He will hold me fast. Are his delight? Christ will hold me fast, precious in his holy sight. He will hold me fast, he'll not let my soul be lost. His promises shall last, bought by him at such a cost. He will hold me fast. he will hold me fast he will hold me fast for my savior loves me so he will hold me fast justice has been satisfied he will hold me fast Race with him to endless life he will hold me fast till our faith is turned to sight when he comes at last.
1: just for a moment before Caleb gives us our benediction. I would like to invite those of uh, you whose testimonies are in our ministry guide. Will you come up here and join me at the front for just a moment? Um, that means Samuel, Ivan, and Isis. I just said Ivan just because I think he got tired in America of telling everybody it's Ivan. So he just says, call me Ivan. Yeah, come in. Okay, you're kind of with me, although I feel a little bit lonely. (coughs) Is everyone here? Who are we missing, Ollie? Everybody. Okay, let let me just say a quick word. Um, We're not a church that's recruiting for members, Uh, so we believe God has brought these people here. We believe God is specifically adding them to our spiritual family because this God who loves us better knows we are not yet what we need to be without these lives, a part of our life and ministry. They have extraordinary courage to join this mess. They come with them, gifts that God's Spirit has placed with them they each have their own story of how they found the gospel. We print their stories in this little ministry guide because you, we want you to pray for them. Um, you have a story too. We, we want to begin the uh, process of bringing each other to the Lord daily. And I've asked them to come before you because um, when you're a mess, It's amazing grace that God is bringing people to join you. Um, And so I want to challenge you. I'm going to ask you by vocal response to respond to this challenge this one pastor is asking you to make. If you would say to these who are standing here before you, who have felt led of God to join us in this church, this gathering of God's people if you're committed to providing an environment where they can grow and use and exercise their spiritual gifts, a, a safe environment for those who have children to know and learn about a God who sees and notices little boys and girls, if you would say to them, we're going to love you and care for you, we're glad you're going to be a part of this family, would you say amen like you mean it? Amen. Okay, I'm going to call that a pass. Pass. I want to invite you, as soon as Caleb gives us the benediction, come by and greet us. Let me say one more thing. There's going to be several of us pastors and elders just standing around like we have no friends. If you have need of prayer, just come and see one of us. Uh, We'll be at the doors, and remember, don't forget to say a word of encouragement to Fedora who leaves this week to go back to Bangkok. Let's pray together. Will you stand with us?
2: Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for these who have joined us. We are so excited for them. Lord, we ask that you would strengthen them today through our fellowship and by your Spirit. We pray for Fedora. We ask that you would bless her as well. And now for all of us, O God, help us to walk in faithfulness to you, the only faithful God. And we ask that you would rest us in your love. And now to him be all praise and glory in the church forevermore through our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please do come along. We welcome you.